our next speaker that I'm so excited about. I um, got an email from him and it was stating that the Lord has been revealing some things to him that he wanted to share with us. I'm like, wow, okay, I don't even know what it is, but I trust the Lord and I trust the Lord in him, amen? So we are excited about what he's bringing to us. And because he is a financial specialist, even though this is Youth Sabbath, I thought it's a perfect timing because our children need to learn how to handle their finances while they are children. Amen. Not after they've grown up and then they're in a turmoil and in jams and messes and they need you to help them get out of it. No, they need to know now. They need to have bank accounts now. They need to know how to take their allow allowance and put some of it in an account and save it. They need to learn how to balance a checkbook. They need to understand the necessity of being able to save, how to invest, how to do all of these things that you just learned as an adult. Amen? Because see, they'll be far more successful by learning as a child than we were as adults, okay? Because it took us forever and most of us were in debt just learning how to get out of debt. Okay, so I think this is an excellent timing to be able to have a financial analyst, specialist to come forth and, and speak to us. So the person I'm talking about is Carlton Comer. He's a financial specialist who is born again of Jesus Amen. and filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We, we, we just don't have no worldly professional people coming here speaking into our lives. That's why we don't have politicians coming up unless they want us to pray over them and speak into their lives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, he's a believer who uses his talents. Talents is what God has given to us in order to make money in the world. So he uses his talent of finances as a spiritual gift in the church to inform us concerning, financial, concerning the financial system. He, get, he uses this to inform us, to equip us, and to inspire us to be good stewards over God's uh, provisions in our life. For that, I am grateful and thankful for his humility, his faithfulness unto the Lord. This is why I trust to have him in this pulpit area. So let's give God thanks, give him a hand praise of appreciation for his child, our brother, to come forth and speak into our lives today. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. I am so honored to be here again. Um, I love you guys so much. I love your pastor. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, I'm going to start out with a quick prayer. Uh, I have to pray, pray, pray a quick prayer here. Um, Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, I ask a prayer for everyone in this room and everyone who is listening, that you will pour thickly your grace, heavily your glory, 
heavily your power into their needs and desires. Uh, thank you for meeting their needs and desires, your children's needs and desires at a very high level. Thank you for doing that, Father, because I know that is your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So um, I'm going to start out uh, asking you guys to turn us, <coughs> excuse me, to Psalms 112. Um, I'm going to lay a passage of scripture on top of this, this discussion. I also want to encourage you to, um, if you have questions, kind of, you know, get them ready in your heart. We'll have a kind of a spot where you can ask questions. Um, the last time I left, we were in a question and answer session. And, and, and so I just want to, we'll get to that and give you all a chance to exhaust your questions. I don't want to leave and you got these burning questions that I can help you with. So we, don't, we won't do that. We'll, we'll make sure we get, get those done. Um, Pastor, Pastor Lewis, I have to you know, say this again. Pastor Lewis has been praying for me for God's favor on my family. And so I thank you so much for that. The church has. And I want to thank you so much for that. Um, you know, when we hear people say we're going to pray for you, and we hear people say, um, you know, they quote a scripture, when you're in an environment of prayer and when you're in an environment where people share the word of God, sometimes you take that for granted. Yeah. But let me tell you, the spirit of God poured his favor out heavily on my family because of your pastor's prayers, Amen. your leadership's prayers. So I want to tell you that um, all, my, all my children are honor students. Um, I have three teens. So, so that's, why, um, that's why I sleep like two seconds a month because this is like always something going on in my house. And my, my daughter, she's 18, she's graduating in a, another, about a week as a valedictorian of her, her, her class. So glory to God, 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 glory to God. Just wanna share that testimony. Um, and God has uh, strongly provided her through scholarships to go to school. So again, I'm saying that the favor of God is, uh, is uh, manifesting and that's a real thing. And I think, you know, sometimes we take that for granted and don't even realize the favor of God is operating on our lives. But you guys have some good covering in here. And um, so I just wanted to share that. You know, thank you for your prayers. And um, I could use up a whole week talking about testimonies and things that God is doing. Um, but I'm just saying, he is good. As you guys have been singing this morning, as we've been singing this morning, he's good. And he's looking for avenues to get into your life. He's looking for ways to do it. The Lord does not just bless you through one avenue. He blesses you through like 360 degrees. You know what I mean? Like from every side, like a sphere. I mean, he's trying to hook you up from every side. You just need to open all those doors up and receive them. You know, right? Right? Um, let me read this real quick. Uh, Psalm 112, praise ye the Lord, blesses the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Trying to get to verse 3 here. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's interesting that the Lord put both of those words in one verse. I mean, he wanted to knock in the head the idea that God does not want to financially take care of you. 
I mean, the Lord just wants to make that real clear in case you're on the fence, in case you've been, you know, believing something else, in case you're making that decision based on what circumstances you see. No, he's saying wealth and riches are in this person's house. But what happened before that? Go to verse one. They delighted greatly in his commandments. Not they delighted somewhat in his commandments. They delighted a little bit. That's not what it says. Said they delighted greatly, greatly in his commandments. So um, there's a um, plan that I shared when I was here a couple times back, which is kind of comprehensive. Um, and I find that it is really helpful to have a, a big picture view of what you're going to do financially, what you need to do financially. Um, because a lot of us, we'll move around a little bit, we get overwhelmed because we don't know what to do first. Okay, um, I could pick anybody in this audience and ask them, can you give me some financial advice? And you'll probably give me some good financial advice. Um, you probably know what you need to do for yourselves, but people sometimes don't know what to do first. Should I get out of debt? Then I start saving. Should I save for retirement? Or should I save for my kids' stuff first? What about buying a house? What about the, all these questions? And so sometimes that kind of stops you from moving forward. So um, I do have a plan that um, um, kind of shows you some example, kind of gives you a guideline for what to do first so you can divide and conquer, okay? So you can kind of take care of one thing at a time. So I'm gonna get that on the screen, probably leave that there for a bit um, and talk through it. I want you to, if a question bubbles up in your heart, then raise your hand. I don't want to wait to the end. If something comes up in the context while we're sharing, you know, then I want you to you know, just raise your hand. That, that's okay. Um, so I'm going to have Karen pull that up for me, please, that first slide. It's not too many slides, actually. I love these big TVs. I need one of these in my den. <laughs> could, like, see Star Wars in, like, seven by three feet. I love it. Hallelujah. Um, so uh, I'm going to share one more passage. You can keep that there. I just want to read this one more passage. Because, again, it gives you kind of the big pic a big picture plan um, of how God looks at our finances and the attitude we should have about it. And, and you guys know there's a ton of scripture on money, in case you haven't counted. It's over 116, it's about 116 verses just in Proverbs. Just in Proverbs. So this is a topic that's on the Lord's mind. Uh, so, uh, so the guidance and the information is there. So Proverbs chapter 27. I'm going to start in verse 23 and go down to 27. Verse 23 says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. So this is an agrarian society, a farming society. So he's talking about your money when he says look well to your flocks. He's not talking about a zoo or something. He's talking about, well, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. For riches are not forever and doth the crown endure to every generation. He's talking about political leadership and changes. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy, for thy food, for thy 
for the food of thy household and for the maintenance for thy maidens. He's going to even get your, get your employees covered. That was Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23 through verse 27. Okay, so in this passage, the Lord is exhorting us to be diligent to know the state of your flocks. That's, that's the same as saying be diligent to know what's going on with your money. Be diligent. Don't be passive about it. Don't blow it off. Don't do it periodically, maybe if, maybe whatever. And there, there's results that follow behind that. Okay, so he's saying that if you do these things, the outcome is you're going to have enough food for you, your household, and, uh, and the others that you provide for. All that's stuck in the same verse, by the way. So that gives us a little hint as to how God looks at us, his vision for money. So first of all, he expects it to be enough for you and for your household. He also expects you to be able to take care of some others. And so your vision should be way beyond just taking care of your household. And, um, and that's important. We're not trading our priorities here. But if you do these things, if you're diligent to look at what's going on. So you have to cut out some practical time in your day and in your week to, to, to manage what God has put under your hands. You have to take some time to do it. You have to cut out some time, which means there's some things that, you, that you're going to have to stop doing so you can make some time to look at what's going on with your flocks. So let's dive into the analogy a little bit as a, as a you know, farmer thing. How many, how many sheep do you even have? Are half of them sick? Can they be sheared and get money off of the fur? Or maybe they're, no, I need to use these to breed with. Are foxes or, or wolves stealing some of them at night? All that's going on with some of us financially, right? So you have to start paying attention to what's going on with your wealth, and that will protect you through political changes. It'll protect you through, it says, because the, 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 the crown doesn't last forever. So you can't, you can't, you know, it's great we got some of these, what they call them, little stimulus checks, or the COVID checks. I call them COVID checks, COVID checks. We got those. That stuff ain't coming every month. Okay. That's great. If, they, if you got one, you grab it, you use it, do some wisdom with that. Okay. So some of the things I'm going to share with you today are going to be real specific, and some of them are going to be just things that you got to do, period. All right. Um, so let me, let me talk a little bit about kind of, you know, we're in a season of time right now where actually the economy is pretty decently strong. Decently strong. That's what I mean, decently strong. And you should seize this time. It's always been the right time to get your, your, your head together financially. It's always been important to do that. So what I'm saying is don't leave this room or don't leave your couch and not decide to move, start getting going with stuff. Because seasons roll in and seasons roll out. They roll in and they roll out. And we're in a season of time right now where it's a decent amount of money floating around. Regardless of what your personal circumstance is. Don't assume it's going to stay like that. Right? Remember Joseph, God warned Joseph, or warned Pharaoh through Joseph, that you're going to have these seven great years and you're going to have these seven horrible years. So I want to point out a quick contrast. He said that the seven 
horrible years were going to be so deeply bad that you would not even remember the seven good years. God was trying to get that across to them at that time. Remember, he gave them detailed description of what those cows look like. He said, I saw some big old fat cows. They were great. He said, then these horrible looking cows, these skinny cows came out and they ate up the other ones. He didn't, he didn't just say that these cows ate the other cows. He said these cows were, they were messed up. I'm using my own paraphrase. Uh, I'm, that's, this is me in the Greek, <laughs> me in the Hebrew. And so God was trying to let them know that it's going to be a severe swing from what it was. It's going to be a severe swing. So you need to prepare for that. Okay? So I'm saying now, you're in a time where it's a lot of fat cows walking around. You don't want to get the attitude that it's always like that or always going to be like that. Because when it cycles, that won't be a time of, ble it'll be a time of drama for you as opposed to an opportunity for you. Okay? So um, when, when, when economic downturns come, it's an opportunity for people that are in a sound financial position. It's an opportunity for them. It's an opportunity for you to buy things, acquire things significantly cheap. Right now, you know. Now today, I think I'm accurate. I don't know anybody's in the real estate market right now. But if you put your house up for sale, there are people buying houses, no inspection. Don't want inspection. Don't need to run off to the bank and do anything. I like this house. Give it to me. And if you're kind of in that, well, okay, I love this house. We're going to run and get three applications from three different banks, and they'll give us this amount. And then after we get inspected, we'll get it from you. That stuff's not even really happening anymore. You don't have time to do all that. People are buying stuff because of the season of time. We, it's changed. And I remember not that many years ago. Go down to Southfield. People, two houses. You can get two of these. You can get both of these houses. Take these off my hand. You can have both of them, 40 grand, 60 grand, something. Help me. Two houses next door to each other. Starter homes. The garage is just attached. People were dumping real estate like crazy. That's not happening right now. Okay? So, um, something else on the stewardship that God wants us to do um, is you, you should be a persistent investor. So, let me explain that a little bit. A persistent investor. Persistent means you don't wait or you don't stop because of, of challenges or, in other words, if the weather's good, the weather's bad. Just like giving. Be persistent in it. Be persistent in it. I'm going to come back to that. Let me come back to that. Um, so I got my little comprehensive plan up here, and I've shared that with some of you all before. Um, the first step talks about just getting a getting $1,000 in the bank, okay? Um, this, is, this is basically giving you some shields and some protection, some motivation, some peace of mind. That's what that first step is doing. And that's why it's the first step. Get you some cash in the bank so you have some protection against drama. That's what that first step is. Okay, and that, that, that should make sense to you. $1,000 might be a lot for some of you. That might be nothing for some of you. Okay, but it's a bar. 
If that's a lot for you, okay, then make it 800. Okay? If it's not a lot for you, then maybe you need to have a little more. And I'm, I'm, we're going to pause on this point a little bit. Um, it's a partial emergency fund, and it gives you a barrier against you and drama. Okay? You don't have to be an adult too long to know that when things are financially tight, it's emotionally difficult. You can hear from God in a storm, but I'd rather hear him when I'm laying on a beach, chillaxing in a lawn chair. I can hear it both times, but it's easier yes. when it's nothing. <laughs> when you don't got your phone ringing and people chasing you and you don't know what you're going to do, and you're like, "Woo, I'm going to lose my mind. And so this step helps you to avoid that. Because you have to make decisions anyway, but it's easier to do them when it's not a financial dramatic situation. So the emergency fund helps you to do that, helps you to start getting that in place. And it's just a step, it's just a step one, okay? It's not an investment. We're not trying to put it in some long-term CD so you can get some interest. I don't care about any of that stuff. It's a shield. That's what it is. I like to use the, police, the policeman example. They have Kevlar vests so that if you take a shot at them, something bounces off. That's what that's for. Okay. Um, the next step is to pay down every, all, your, all your, what I call, like, miscellaneous debts. That's what the second step is. This is wise to do as a second step and not the first step because if you say, Carlton, I have a job, I got income, I'm just going to tackle all this debt and pay this debt off. I don't care about if I have any money in the bank. That seems like, you know, a good attitude, and that's good you want to do that. But you can't avoid emergencies. You can't avoid financial needs. And if you just focus on paying your debt down and have no money in the bank, what's going to happen is when you have an emergency, what are you going to do? Somebody tell me, what are you going to do if you don't? Thank you. You're going to get in more debt, or you're going to have to run it past Dolores. And she's going to be like, <coughs> I, just, I just said that. But... <laughs> You, you, you got to depend on somebody else. You're gonna, you know, that's what happens when you don't have an emergency fund. And I don't want you to go back into that because you will lose the vision for the long term. I don't want you to lose vision for the long term. And, 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 and some of you guys, woo, I'm, I want to tell you all what the vision is, but sometimes it just lands on people that can't accept it. But, but I'm going to have to challenge you in this church for what the vision is. The vision is, is for you to have financial independence. I want you guys to be financial independent. I believe that you will be. And I'm not just like blowing smoke. I'm not just like saying stuff to make you jump and get excited. Or like, you know, what, what was that? Sarah, when the Lord came to Abraham and Sarah, and the Lord told him, you know, you're going to have a baby. And she and Abraham was, I don't know if he was 99 or something. Said Sarah laughed. She was like, that was funny. And then, then the Lord checked. It's like, what you, laugh? what you laughing for? She said, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. <laughs> so what have you laughed at the God has said to you? Are you laughing about anything that God said you should achieve? So I'm giving you all some vision here. Amen. Get your laugh out the way and accept it. God will bring you to financial independence. And let me practically define that for you. You're not concerned about what cycle the economy is in. You're doing fine either way. And financial independence also means that you have enough money coming in to your household to cover your living expenses 
whether you go to a job or not. That's the vision that, that I have there, and this is the vision I want you to work on, particularly, particularly you young people, because you have no excuse for not hitting it. You don't. You don't. Um, so let me, again, give a, just a quick practical point, because I don't want that one to get past you. Your, um, uh, the average American focuses on job and cash, job and cash. That's all they focus on, job and cash. If I have a job, then I have some cash. You know, and of course, D-E-B-T. But you can acquire assets that generate money, and that is more powerful. So that is what I want you guys to start switching your thinking to. You can generate money from a job. Some people get a tremendous amount of income from their jobs. But that's still only one avenue to make money. It's also the most heavily taxed avenue. If you look at this like a table, you know, this table, well, if you look at like a table, it has like three legs. You have job, and you have business, and you have investing. And you can have income from all three of those. That's harder to knock down. It's harder to knock down when you're generating income from multiple avenues, and they all have different tax, tax um, uh, scenarios in this country whether your income comes through a job or it comes through a business or it comes through investing. And so from the standpoint of financial independence, what you, what the wisest thing to do is take your money from your job, have some space between what you spend and what goes out, and take some of that and pour it into those other two areas, business and investing, because businesses and investments generate money back into your house at a different energy level than a job. Okay, so let me give you another quick example. Um, I like stocks, but that's not all I do, but I like stocks. So if you had a, a share of McDonald's stock right now and you just own one share, it's only about 200 something dollars. I say only, but if you had one share of that stock, it would generate about five bucks or something of income for you every three months. So that's, a, that's not a lot of money. It's a dollar something a month. I mean, if you divide three by, divide what you get quarterly by, by three. But the point is, if you have one share of McDonald's stock, that money's gonna come to your house whether you get up and leave your house or not. And I'm not trying to make you lazy. I'm not trying to do that. Um, you have to steward over whatever God gives you. But my point is, financial independence is generating your assets and building your assets up to a level and positioning them so that those assets cover your living expenses, and now you free up the most valuable resource God has given you, which is time. So when he whispers to you and says, I want you to go serve in this ministry, or I want you to go here, or this person in your life needs some extra time, so I want you to start coaching them and praying for them. You don't have to go, but I can't, because I got four jobs. And this is going on, and that's going on, and this is going on, that's going on. So this, this topic is not about, you know, you being lazy and having a whole bunch of money, you know, right before the Lord returns. That's not the goal. Because you know how much you're going to take with you? Nothing. Nothing. Ooh. Nothing, nothing. Okay, and so 
this is about effectiveness as a steward in the earth and also blessing your children under you. That's what this is about. And so you don't have to have a whole lot to reach financial independence. What you have to do is, is do pursue it consistently. Okay, so that's what I meant a few moments ago about being a persistent investor. Persistent. That means get a, acquire a little bit in assets a little at a time. Give the Holy Spirit something to water, to work with. You all just put a seed in my pocket. It was a mustard seed. Did you guys all get that? Did you see that? Oh, man, the Lord has set y'all up, I'm telling you. Jesus said, if you have faith as a, as a mustard seed. See, we mess up with some of that sometimes because we just go, oh, if I got something that's small, then I'm good. That's not, that's, not, that's not all of the story. If it was just about small, he could have said, if you have faith as a grain of sand. He didn't say grain of sand. He said a seed. What's the difference between a seed and a grain of sand? Thank you. A seed can grow. And he's saying your faith is like that. And every part of your life is like that. You take that seed and you protect it and nurture it and give it what it needs. And it will go from being a seed to a little bit of a shoot, to a stalk, to a tree, to a forest. It'll grow. Okay? So respect your seeds. So back to wherever you might be in your financial position right now. Don't despise that. Don't undervalue that. That is not where you're ending. That's where you're starting. And you have to have the vision that I just kind of pointed out a little bit. Oh, somebody raised. I'm sorry. Hi, my name is Stephanie. Um, hey, Steph. First off, I want to say I appreciate you coming up here talking about that because I am. I was a college student. I'm a nurse, and I learned nothing about investing and saving and. I mean, you know, this, I'm learning a lot more than anything I've learned in school. But aside from that, um, you said, like, planting the seed so it can grow. How do you, what would you suggest, aside, like, you said investing, investing in what? How do I go about, I don't even know how to go about any of that, which I kind of feel stupid that I don't. <laughs> Not stupid. Okay, thank, thank you, Stephanie, for that question. So I'm going to answer it. Um, as we go through what I'm sharing, all right? And you make sure I answer your question 100% before we're done, right? Her question was, how does she start investing? How does she start? Where's the seed? What is the first seed? How do you start? How do you begin? Okay. So there are a lot of ways to start investing. Um, what I have on the screen is giving you kind of a priority of what to do first, okay? So... Um, let me rip through this real fast, and I'm going to come to that question. No, this is appropriate. So I said number two was to pay off your debts and up your mortgage using the debt snowball. Um, that's a fast way to get out of debt. Number three was to save three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. So step three is basically going and taking 1000 from step one and just adding to it. That's how step three is. Um, you're investing, and how do you start investing? We get to that, but I don't want you to run out and buy a stock today if you don't have any money now. That's what the order on here is for. That's what I'm saying. When people ask me, should I buy this rental property? I was like, I give. Should you buy the rental property? I don't know. 
what you have, what's in place. So you start somewhere. If you follow these steps, it'll be a more peaceful process, a more orderly process. That's what that is. Um, so the fourth step, which is the blue, begin investing 15% of your household income for retirement. Each one of these steps knocks a problem out. And the more problems you get knocked out, the more you're open to new things, the better your position to take on new things, right? Um, your next step, I should have numbered these. The one after the, the retirement is begin saving for your children's college education. So you take care of your retirement first and you take your children's education next. Now, I know some of you guys are in retirement, so hold on. It's all good. If you're not, then you do this, okay? You follow that step. If you, don't, if that, if you have a step over here that is not applicable for you, then hop to the next one. It's like the checkbox, you know? Actually, I always encourage people, put this kind of stuff up in your room, you know, on your mirror, in your bathroom, or your fridge or something, so you have some accountability. I know you got scriptures on there, because I know Pastor Lewis got you got scriptures up there, right? If I come to your house, I better see some scriptures on your fridge. Better see what you're believing for. Um, so you kind of check them off, and you can see, okay, that's done. This is done. This is done. Okay, something happened. Erase the check mark. Go back up. Okay. Work on it. Check. Kept. Keep going. When you get to the next one, after the children's education, it says pay off your home early. Pay off your home early. Your home is a... Uh, we, we don't really realize how, how powerful that, that has been in this country, and I didn't even realize it, really. Um, because you just see people with houses, either in an apartment or in a house. Might be your parents' house, but you're in a house. Okay, apartment house. And everybody in the world does not have an environment where you can buy a home. And home ownership, and owning some dirt, has been a key part of wealth building. And it's also in line with scripture that God gave this planet to his kids. The devil does not like you owning anything. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not using a metaphor. I'm talking about literally. He does not want Christians to own anything. And that's why, to me, it's fun every time I increase my assets, because it's less that he's in charge of. It's like, no, the Holy Ghost is over this stuff, and the rest of it we come in to get. Okay? So, you know, it's interesting to me, you know, I'm a little tangent, you know, like people would do these fundraisers for missionaries or fundraisers for good causes. You know, and here's one that's a good cause, like helping these children get out of slave. Yeah, this, this, this sickness where somebody uses some children to, to take advantage of. And so there are ministries and organizations that are helping to, 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 to rescue these kids, right? This is why what I'm sharing is important. Because when they come to talk to you, they'll say, will you give us $30 a month? It's just a cup of coffee a day to help these kids or help somebody get out of stuff. Why don't you write them a check for $50,000 and take care of the whole thing? Or $100,000, just take care of the whole thing. You mean we can only help like 10 of them, but it's 500 kids in that town? Go get all 500 of them. What's the plan to get all of them out of it? There was a lady who went on a missionary trip, I know personally. She went on a trip specifically to do just that, and it was in India. She went to India with, with a team to help get these children out of, help get these kids out of some of this stuff. And these children are so messed up emotionally. They don't know what's going on. She said this, and it just it blew me away. She said she went, she talked to this one kid, and at first, the, this, this girl thought that 
the missionaries were one of the little overlord people trying to abuse them. She didn't know who this was coming to her, asking her, talking her stuff. And she finally gathered across to her. She said, we're here to rescue you. We're Christians. We're here to help you. You know what that little girl said to her? What took you so long? I mean, check. She said, what took you so long? Like, you know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, what took us so long? This is why God wants us to prosper. Okay? We got people to help. We got people to help. So, back to the investing and starting and, you know, um, your home is in this step because it's a very basic part of asset building. That's why that's in, that's in here and you should pay that off. Early is what it's saying. The implication of this whole plan is that you pay your minimum on your bills and then the extra goes to the next big goal that you're working on. This doesn't mean stop being responsible. You know, this is saying you pay your minimums and the thing you focus on is what that step is. The last one is build wealth and increase your giving. So uh, the last one is just saying when you get your house paid off, you're in a very strong position now for a large amount of your money that's going out, that was going out the door for rent or home or all of that to go toward building your wealth and helping others. It's a large percentage. That's what that means. I think a few years ago, the number was about a third of Americans didn't even have a mortgage on their house. Yeah, so, you know, some folks are getting this, figuring this out. And some of them just avoided that whole debt wave all along. They just, you know, I remember my parents, you know, they had a lot of stuff that happened. You know, that would tax everybody, right? But uh, I remember that when I was a kid, my parents had a lot, uh, 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 just a lot that they bought. And I asked my dad what it was for. He said, we're going to build a house on that. He didn't own it. He didn't borrow the money for it because it was just a lot. It wasn't expensive. He bought a lot, but he and my mom had a vision that they were going to have a house and build it, and they weren't going to pay anything for it. But that wasn't uncommon back then. That's my point. I have a question because I was just going to ask you about buying a plot of land. Um, so it's just been on my heart for a very long time because I plan on building a house later on down the line. So I was thinking about purchasing the land like beforehand, having that paid off before building the house. So, but I don't own a home. So would you recommend me buy a home or the land first? Because like, that's a big debt, like to buy a home. I don't own a home, I'm a renting, mm. but I kind of want to set myself up. So in general, it's a great idea. Uh, that's in general, like I said, I don't know all your detailed financial circumstances, but I'm saying in general, it's a great idea because it's a, for a lot of reasons. First of all, um, it'll appreciate over time. Um, you may decide to sell it 10 years after you bought it and buy a house with it. Or AT&T may decide to put a microwave dish next door to you and say, we need that. Can we use that? Sure. $3,000 a month, passive income. A lot of stuff can happen, but God can't do anything if you don't, you know, what did I just say? You got to have a seed somewhere. So I think that's a great idea. Um, like I said, in general, you got to do it at the right time, you know. Um, that's what I'm saying. When Christians acquire assets, it's a strengthening activity because then you are legally in charge of what happens with that stuff, right? You can say, yes, I want this done with that land or no, I don't want this done with that land. And, 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 and that is what's strong about the assets. Um, I, I got to clear, clear this point out here. Uh, I said, build your wealth and increase your giving. I didn't say start your giving. I said increase your giving. You start your giving in step one, okay? 
The reason, the way you get step one done is because you just do a spending plan. You just do a budget every month, every month, every month, every month. This is June, so you should be doing a spending plan for July, right? Do a spending plan for July, and so you and the Holy Ghost can figure out what we need to do with the money he's going to give you in July, so you know what to do with it. That is a very powerful practice. One of the wealth practices that I recommend people do is doing a spending plan every month before the month starts, and it's very simple. You estimate what you think you're going to get in your hands, income-wise, for that month. And then you estimate what you think the expenses are going to be for that month and subtract them off till you get to zero. So basically, you're the boss. You're deciding what's going to happen to the money that's coming into your hands that month. It's a very powerful practice. If you do that very well, when you start a business, your business will be in a much better position. Because you got to do the same thing when you run a business. Only the ramifications are bigger if you don't balance that. Some family's gonna get fired or something else is gonna happen. Or you might get sued because you didn't pay somebody that you were supposed to pay for your screws that you ordered from them. Who knows, all kind of stuff happens. So that's what you do every month is a spending plan at the begin uh, for the month that's coming up. That's your power wheel. That puts you in charge of stuff. No months are the same. You may think they are, but they're not, right? We're sh we just jumped in the summer, by the way, right? I'm like, golly, it was like snowing like a couple weeks ago. Like, fr you know, frost. And now it's like north of 80. And um, so you don't have the same expenses every month. Some of you already turned your air conditioner on. You know what? Go ahead. Admit it. Admit it. I had to go to the switch and like, okay, cold, back to the heat. And then, you know, back to the cold, close the windows up, open the ones. And it's like, you know, that's what happens. And I like that little transition from winter to summer because it's like free air, right? I'm like, ha, I don't have to pay consumers, ha, or DTE energy. Thank you, Lord. Keep it like that for a little longer. You know, that's, utilities are down. I bet you they won't be down in the middle of July. You have to run over a friend's house that has air conditioning if you don't have an air conditioner, right? So that's, that's why you need a monthly spending plan. That will drive you through these steps, okay? Um, as far as starting to invest, you start investing in step one, two, three, four. step four. And you start investing by putting money towards your retirement. If you have a job that has a 401k, then you use that. Okay, that's one way you invest. And you're investing toward retirement, and that is a high priority. It's a higher priority than even saving for your children's education. It may not emotionally feel right, but you better do it. What is the percentage I recommend is the question. For, for 401k, it's right there, 15%. Any financial advisor will tell you 15%. You may have to start with 1% and work your way up a little at a time, but that's your goal. You don't need to go 20% or 25%. And I say, the reason I say that is because it's other stuff you got to do with your money, like get down and pay that house off. Okay. Um, Saving money for your children's education, easy to do. Using a 529 account, go to misaves.com in Michigan, 25 bucks, you can start it up. What I would recommend doing to some of you younger people in here, younger people I mean like women and, and, and dads that have kids that are like these little four cute ones right here. You know, you always do plastic parties. You know what a plastic party is, right? When your baby comes or your kid comes and like two, three, four years old, you go scoop up all of the stuff you can grab at Toys R Us, which is closed now. <laughs> or, 
you know, Myers or wherever you go, and they get more stuff. Well, have a party that's like a college party. Say, hey, guys, my kid is turning five. They don't need a seventh doll that's the same type of the sixth before. And they actually have more fun with the box than they do the doll. Why don't we have a 529 party? Why don't we have a college party? So why don't y'all bring some money and at least split it, okay? You know, you can get her, get her a little, you know, get them another little video game, but half the money you give me for the birthday goes to the college fund. Now you're helping these young people, the, the adults, get going for their children, okay? That's an idea, because anybody could put money in a 529 for a kid. Your, the grandparents can, the uncles, anybody can. You can't do that in a retirement account. You could do that with a 529. Okay, so that knocks out two big issues. Your retirement and your kid's education, right? It knocks out two big things. So when you say, how do I start investing? There's a lot of ways to invest, a lot of things to invest in. Some basic things are stocks. Other basics are mutual funds, which are just baskets of stocks. Other basics are like rental properties. You know what a rental property is. Um, those are basic things. Um, I recommend starting with stuff small and soon because the wealth you build is going to be proportionate to the, your knowledge. And you want to start the knowledge process. The, pr the knowledge process doesn't start till you get your toe in the water. Okay? If you want to learn how to swim, you can read all the books, look at all the YouTube channels you want to, and talk about, man, when I get in that water, I'm going to jam. Well, I'm going you know, to do all kinds of strokes. But until you get in, until you get in, okay, so you want to get started, and I can touch on a few ways to get started there, but you don't want to run out and buy some stock if you got all this other stuff going on up here, baby step one, two, three. You're not going to have fun with your stock anyway. You know, it's, 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 it's too much going on, all right? Do stuff orderly, get you some cash, and then start collapsing your debt. Okay, start collapsing the debt. And that phrase over there, debt snowball, does anybody know what that means? I know some of y'all do. Where are my eight students? Okay, my sister back here. Okay, explain what the debt snowball is to, to uh, everybody. Okay, so the debt snowball is you start with your smallest debt and then you work your way up to the biggest debt. Right, you go. Yes. What motivated you to buy a 529 account last year? Remember I asking? Oh, so I had a 529 account for a couple of years. I just was thinking I wanted, because the way I'm setting my life up is I know he's not going to qualify for Pell Grants, so I'm going to have to pay for his college education because that's where my mind is. So I just, I just, I just did it. <laughs> I mean, how, how did you hear about it? That's what I'm, oh, how um, did you hear about it? I used what to work at a was? bank, so I know a little bit mm. about finances. Okay. Um, so that kind of got me. And then I, I don't know, I just heard somebody talking about college, the commercials. They had okay. commercials That's what it was. Okay. about the, uh, the um, college savings account. And so I finally looked into it and just did it <laughs> because just a little bit will help. Even if I just have a little bit in there, it's just like it's a start and it motivates me to put more into it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you guys are listening. Okay, so the sister here in the black jacket has a question. So uh, you can take her to Mike, and I'm going to touch back on, what's your name? Stephanie. Stephanie's question, because I, you know, that's just a really good question about investing and starting. So if you're at a point you feel like you're ready to uh, just start stock investing, 
you know, and I'm not making that scary at all. I don't think it's scary. I think it's smart and wise. I'm just saying do it at the right time. It's easy. You just go to like fidelity.com or go to TD Ameritrade or some, you know, reputable company like that and you open up you an investment account. Um, some of them have a minimum, some of them do not. Anybody ever heard of Robinhood? Anybody heard of Robinhood? It's amazing how many people heard of Robinhood. I don't even really, you know, not actually that impressed with that platform, but everybody's heard of it because they use the apps to reach all the young people. These apps. Um, um, so anyway, you know, you, you know, if you open a Robinhood account, I don't care. The point is, you know, you can use a brokerage account. You open it up, find out what the minimums are. Like I said, a lot of them don't even have a minimum, so you can put a dollar in there, and. You use, the, the next step is you research which stock you want to buy. And after you research the stock you want to buy, then you transfer money from your brokerage account into the uh, market, and about 2.5 seconds later, you will own that stock. And that's how you start. Okay, so the question is how do you know what's a good stock to invest in? I'm gonna save that question for a little bit later, if you don't mind, okay, all right. Can you open up a 529 account in any state? Can you open up a 529 account in any state? Um, you mean like living here, but you want to open one up in no, California? To another state. Can I open up one in that state? Yeah, you. It, it, it's it's not geographic. It's not geographic at all. You can open up a 529 account um, anywhere people have 529 accounts. Yeah, yeah, you, it's just what happens is, like Michigan has a 529 um, plan, and the contributions you make to that, a, a portion of that is tax deductible on your Michigan state tax return. But if you were in Illinois and you open up a Michigan state tax account, you don't do a Michigan state tax return. So you can open them up anywhere. Yes, the brokerage companies that you go, you can go to brokerage companies, like any of your major brokerage companies, again, you know, T. Rowe uh, Price, Fidelity, you know, and I'm not endorsing people, or not endorsing, I'm just kind of telling you some companies. If it was somebody I thought was crazy, I wouldn't even mention it. Um, you can open up an account there and open up a 529 account online, and um, you should start asking questions about it. How does it work? When can I get it? What do, what do I have to contribute? Things like that. Um, and all you really need is a social security number for the kids you're trying to put the money in for. And um, then you can start get, roll, get rolling with it. Thank you. It's, it works just like a 401k. It's just only for educational uses instead of retirement usage. It grows tax-free. You, you stick it in mutual funds and let it grow. And, and um, then you can use that later to help your kids. And uh, it's a very wise thing to do. Um, yeah. Okay. Yes, a question here. Lady in the front, sister in the front with the beige. Just more of a comment. Um, I didn't start a 529 for my daughter until she was like 14, which was, okay. you know, way late. But anyway, but I was able, because I didn't hear about it, know about it until very late in, you know, her education years. But anyway, I was able to use what I had saved, what had 
invested up until that time for all of her like applications, uh, a part of her uh, part of her tuition, and but I was able to use it, you know, even though I didn't start it till late. So, um, and also I started a 529 for the the grant, you know right here in Michigan, but it can be used anywhere. You can start it here, mm -hmm. and it can be used in any state. That's what I was trying. You don't have to be in that state to be able to start a 529 for a grandchild or great-grandchild. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You can also transfer who it's used for. So if this one kid gets a whole bunch of scholarships, just transfer. you can just transfer that to the account for the other kid. No issues. Send the paperwork in, and now someone else. So it, this is really, it's really a, a, a good tool to use uh, for your children. And um, I'm like, hey, if you got a kid, you got some need. 18 years early, you know, you got this need coming up in 18 years. You got an 18 years lead time to like, you know, be ready for that. Hallelujah. All right, my brother. So is the account per kid, or is just a general account? You can set up one, but if you open up one, you need to designate who it's for. I have I had one for each kid. It just helped me to keep you know track of it. So one kid was acting up, I would t stop their contributions, and, and they'll tell them you know your money this month is going to this kid. You know, no, but it, it, it helps you keep you know it helps you keep the uh, can just keep some order right. So it's not any overhead cost to having an account. So I just open up one for every kid. It just helps keep stuff orderly. But you can transfer money from one to another account. You just change who the beneficiary is. However, they, that's the, you know, the term they use there. No, great question. Um, so I touched on that debt snowball. I uh, wanted to add one little thing to it. When you pay off a debt, when you pay off a debt um, and you have a budget and a spending plan kind of going, it frees up a little bit of money, right, if you pay something off. Well, they call it a snowball because you add that to the next debt. Yes. So the second debt is actually getting tackled with more than a minimum payment. It's getting tackled with the payment from the previous debt. And when you pay off the second debt, you have now two extra cash flows you can tackle to the third one. So it, the amount that goes to the third debt is more. So that's why we call it a snowball because it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you just collapse your debt that way. That's why it's called a debt snowball. And honestly, I would go crazy trying to get debt paid off, particularly lower, particularly like credit card debt and stuff like that. When I mean go crazy, I mean, you know, sell stuff, work extra jobs, um, you know, um, um, you know, Craigslist things or Facebook, whatever, the, you know, Facebook has a little Craigslist thingy. You know, all of that, you know, get rid of it as quick as you can. And that's the scriptural exhortation. Right? You know, if you find yourself snared, the Bible says don't give your eyes any rest. There's, there, there's an urgency you, that you pick up in Proverbs there about how you handle being in debt. Also, for those who didn't hear this from a previous pre, um, presentation, get out of the habit of cosigning for people. The Bible warns us about doing that. It uses the word surety in the King James. It's a nice little cute phrase. It says, don't be surety for a stranger. You know, what happens is um, the Bible says that the borrower is servant to the lender. If I've ever sent you an email, you'll see that in my email trailer until I change it to something else. And I don't know when I'm going to do that. But anyway, 
I have a, that's my email trailer, so it helps me to keep that in my face. Proverbs 22, uh, 7, yeah, the borrower is serving to the lender. But what happens is, is when you loan someone some money, what it does is it tweaks the relationship you and that person have. That's why it's not a good idea. It, it doesn't flip it over, but it, it tweaks it. Like. So when you and that person are sitting down hanging out and you know that they owe you some money, and y'all at the Imagine Theater, and they about to buy a $9 box of popcorn, you're like, So that's what happens when someone owes you money. And so to keep your relationships flowing, don't loan them any money. Now, you can bless them with it. Now you got a return coming. That's more powerful. They say, look. I can let you have this. I'm sorry I'm not going to loan any money because I don't want any strings attached. I, don't, I hate all the drama with that. Just be honest and just let it out. I don't like all the drama connected with me loaning money, trying to remember when you said you were going to do it. And I'm like, the bank won't even loan you money. Do you know how jacked up you got to be for the bank not to loan you money? They will loan anybody money. And if you have a relative that they won't loan money to, and you're going to loan money? What is the statistical probability of them paying you back? I mean, all kind of stuff have had to gotten fixed in the last two days. For them to be to pay you back. And so just bless them with, you need $20, man, look, here, go. You know, take it, be blessed. You don't owe this back to me. If you don't have it to sow, then that's fine. Guess who can take care of them? Jehovah That's right. God, 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 God can fix stuff. God can solve problems that you think you got to fix. You ain't got to. You know, I love that phrase. It's like, it's over my pay grade, dude. That's over my pay grade. That's Jesus' business. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very quick to throw stuff up to him. We were, I was, okay, I was sitting in church with my wife, and our, our uh, engine light came on on the way to church, and the pastor reminded us that all the stuff we have is God's, right? My wife said, the Lord's engine light is on. <laughs> I was like, hallelujah. Woo. Go ahead, sister, please. Ask your question. Thank you for your patience. Thank you. Um, I have, like, probably a good thing. I have four different bullet points. <laughs> um... First of all, I'm coming from a place of like being taught very opposite things than what are probably like that. Um, mm-hmm. Credit building, question mark. Okay. Um, renting versus owning, as in, you can talk to the pastor later. Renting versus owning, as in mm, walking into a, desperately needing to get out of a situation, so like gotta go either way, mm-hmm. but walking in, also having the first one done, but, and the second one I don't have to, but like what else is going on here? <laughs> um, walking into a lease with like, or or a very big loan with like buying a home because leasing feels like, like renting feels like uh, just throwing money down the drain. Okay. You know? mm-hmm. um, so that's a question. And then I have one about the stocks um, and then cash versus banks because I, okay. AKA hiding cash around where it does nothing okay. or trusting the bank. Okay, excellent questions. Um, so let me start with the first one. Um, so you meant like building your credit, right? You, ever, you probably should let her keep the mic for a second. Uh, you said like building your credit and, okay. So um, having a good credit score is not bad. The, chal- the problem is 
people push themselves into I need to build my credit and they're operating at a credit card level of income and, and asset wise and the vast majority of people that do that mess up their lives trying to build their credit and you're looking you're not looking at the big picture this is a bit of the big picture now this is Dave Ramsey's baby steps because I like it it's very effective I'm real good with Dave. I have a plan that's analogous to this, but it's stronger down at the bottom. And when I say it's stronger down at the bottom, for one, it's very granular, so I coach you a little bit, a bit more because I'm a teacher. So my first step, my very, very, very first step I tell people to do is to organize your financial records. It's like, to me, like, it's like step one, and then the first step in that, that level is organize your financial records. So, and at the bottom, when I say stronger at the bottom, I don't, I talk about like some of the stuff I mentioned earlier. You need to have a vision and a plan to start acquiring more assets. Trust yourself to let God give you some bigger things. If you got a rental property, then set a goal to get 10. If you own a franchise, then why not? Okay, great. You got a McDonald's restaurant, which is a very powerful step to make, by the way. I got a buddy who had 22 of them. Lives in Texas. He was showing me his business card. He owns 22 McDonald's restaurants. Do you know how much one McDonald's restaurant brings in? Okay, I'll just let you dream, because he had 22 of them. And when he showed me this, I said, man, if I add that to the number of McDonald's restaurants I have, it's a total of 22. So you got to have some vision to do some things, and, and, and it needs to be a strong vision, okay? It shouldn't just be retire securely. To me, that is, that's not big enough. That's a great platform. When you retire, you have a lot of time available to you Actually, honestly, if you kind of do some of the right stuff financially, what happens is when you're younger, you got time and don't have that much money. But then as you get older, you got more money than time. Okay? But when you get retired, you know, and you have your living expenses coming in with your money, you got free time to do stuff. That free time can be converted to a lot of things. So I've seen people build significant wealth after they retire because they learned about the stock market. They didn't have to get up and go to work. They got up and turned on the, the financial news. And they start understanding how this stuff worked. And they just excelled in stuff after they got retired. So don't, like I said, you know, if you feel like, look, man, Carl, it's too late for me to do all some of this stuff, you know, 15% and all that, you know, don't, don't, don't undervalue the power of your free time in the Holy Ghost. Okay? Um, so I think it's dangerous to focus on building your credit and not realize what you're going to do with it. The only thing you really should be thinking about borrowing money for the average person is to buy a house or maybe a used car and both of those on the smallest on the lowest time windows you can I'm like forget a 30-year mortgage if you have a 30-year mortgage try to refinance it to 15 it will save you time do you know why they call it a mortgage do you know what that word comes from you guys are big Bible study people right Hebrew Greek Latin roots right mortgage comes from mortician, comes from morgue. It means debt until death. That's what mortgage means. And when you have a 30-year mortgage, your brain tends to think it's just going to be there, so I'm not going to worry about that. You never focus on it as a goal to pay it off. So um, I would be very careful with trying to get a credit card just so I can build up my credit report because there are financial organizations that, go, that are still old school. Old school was, you didn't click a computer and pull up a person's FICA score. There was no FICA score. They said, bring me your W-2. Bring me your tax papers. Let me see how much money you made. They don't care how much money you made me go rent an apartment. They care what your FICA score is. Mm -hmm. 
You can have enough money to buy the apartment building, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't let you buy it because you don't have a FICA score. That's the only reason I think I've been concerned about credit. So I'm not saying be sloppy with it. What I'm saying is don't let that occupy your energy because you will get to a point in your life, season of time, if you work through these steps, that you will shift from even referencing a FICA score. If you pay off your house, all the computer servers at the bank will stop talking to all the computer servers at Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. They won't have anything to talk about. If they don't have anything to talk about, what's going to happen when somebody clicks on, I want to reference your FICA score? It's not going to be low. It's not low. It'll be indeterminable. And you ought to go, glory to God. I don't need to use that anymore. I can start focusing on saving and investing and building stuff and buying stuff with cash. So I hope that kind of answers some of that, right? You talked about leasing versus buying a house, and it feels like it's a waste. A house is a blessing, but not if you get it before the time is due, okay, before so the right time. You already answered my question on that one. <laughs> um, stock, this, like, I found out that there's stocks in my name and I don't know what to do with them. Like it's, I checked it this morning actually. It's been growing, like it's accruing money. Um, it's in a pretty like decent, like I've tried to do research and I've, it's a lot of, it's, uh, it, it's time consuming, but it's interesting. And I like the idea of it. Um, it's more so like I'm going to be making this move. Should I take that out? Because I didn't even plan on it anyway, or should I just leave it in? You know? Okay, yeah, so that's a detailed question. You need to talk to a financial person, okay. a financial advisor one-on-one, -on -one, to start figuring out what you totally have. Okay, uh, that was Proverbs 23, 27, when I said be diligent to know the condition of your flocks. You should be all over that like white on rice. You should know what stock it is, where did I get it from, whose name is it in, how much is it, what's the market value, what has it done over the last 12 months, what has it done over the last 10 years? Mm -hmm. Do I have enough cash or should I sell this stuff so somebody won't come and repossess my baby buggy? Okay, um, you, you need to jump all over that and find out what's going on with that. And that's a blessing, you got some stock. Um, yeah, you, you kinda need some one-on-one -on -one information to come up out of that. Uh, I'm going to wrap up and really, really soon here. Um, you know you can give yourself a raise on a monthly basis, right? All of you guys who work and every year you get like a raise, you try to get a raise, I believe you can get a raise, I hope you get a raise. You know you can give yourself a raise every month just by buying one share of another dividend-bearing stock. Instead of giving yourself a raise once a year because you worked hard at your job, which you should do. But this is an example of something that puts you in charge. Um, I don't have time to put, can you go to the next slide for me, um, Karen, please? Just to show that before I go. Um, so certain categories of companies are very strong, and when they're strong, have strong balance sheets, mean strong cash flow and all that stuff, they issue dividends, which is just like interest on a savings account. It's just a little bit of payment you get because you own their stock. Companies that are in a high growth mode, do not pay dividends because they're trying to keep all the money in the company and kick out the next product and service. And, um, but there's some companies that have been paying dividends so long, I mean, they've been paying dividends longer than anybody's age in this room. You know, General, General, uh, General Mills is one of them. They sell cereal, okay? If you go buy a box of cornflakes, you're giving some money to General Mills. They've been paying dividends for 120 years without stopping. 
Why are you worried about something happening to that stock? It just doesn't make sense. And so I'm gonna, in the next few minutes, I just wanna try to convince you to not be so afraid of investing. That's what I'm telling you on purpose I'm trying to share with you. If you listen to regular news, you get emotionally crazy with the idea of buying stocks. And some of you have convinced yourself of that, and yet you keep you and the Holy Ghost out of another area. And it's unwise. So the chart on the screen shows you what the value was of the S&P 500 index in 1982. I would have showed you back to 1940-something, but uh, it all didn't show up on the screen. Um, but do you kind of notice that it's gone up over the years? kind of moved up. The S&P 500 is nothing but the top 500 companies in the United States. That's all it is. It's a basket of stocks. The problem that we have, one thing I don't like, is the news reports this stuff every day as if they're, they're doing it because they just feel like they're trying to, I don't know, they're trying to feel important. I don't know. They'll tell you what the Dow did. The Dow went up 500 points. The Dow almost just, it's like, like, be quiet. Tell us what the traffic is on the South Field. Give me something I need to know on the way home. <laughs> They're telling you stuff that's creating confusion for you and misperspective, and it's keeping you out of one of the most powerful wealth building things that exists since we said, God said, let's call these things humans. Okay, that's what our stock uh, 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 market is in the United States. And, it, it, and so I'm walking over here to the chart. The, the dips you see, see this dip right here? This is when COVID hit. Look what happened after COVID hit. This is, I took this chart, I, cre I created this chart today. I don't know if the data's on here. I created this chart, this is like June 4th, the close of business yeah, day. And so if you, have been buying, if you have been buying stocks consistently, they would be higher than they were when you bought them a, a few years ago. This is why I say I'm a persistent investor. I don't care who's the president in terms of buying stock. I do care with the president. I don't care about what's going on. If Russia's happy with us or if Russia hates us, or if China's in our business and they are, or anything else is going on. I persistently buy assets. And that is what you should set your goals to be. If you're in a position to buy some land, then persistently buy it. Because historically, drama gets fixed. That's what you need to have some courage on. And here's something more powerful. God said, I'll bless what your hands are set to. So if the stuff was cursed, it's not now because you're standing on it. God is not playing. He's like, okay, send the angels over there because they work there. Send them over here because they just bought this. Okay. Doesn't scripture say that? Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Blessed in the field is like where farmers work. It's blessed in the city. It's where you sold the stuff at. So give God something to bless. Put that seed in your pocket in the ground somewhere. That's what this is. People who persistently invested build a tremendous amount of wealth through the last several years all the way back. And the news only tells you when something goes up and down. They have, I've never heard them once say, the stock market is up. 500% since 2007, two presidents ago. They don't ever tell you that. They just make some drama so you can turn it a station. What you need to do is pull up some websites and look at this free information and say, okay, Lord, can I, can I do something with this? Yes. 
And I promise he'll say something. John 16 says the Lord will, 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 will show you things to come. That's one of his job descriptions. The Holy Spirit, let me be specific, will show you things to come. We'll challenge him on it. All right, Lord, what's going to happen? I'm reading this stuff. It's even in red, so it's got hot sauce on it. I know you're going to, you know, <laughs> talk to me about this. Amen. The Holy Spirit will let you know what things are doing. Listen to his whispers. Okay, it's hard to listen to his whispers when you when you got all that drama going on at baby step two, you know, right there. So that's why I said push through it, tear that debt down, don't feel guilty about it, get past all that, and put your energy on, on moving forward. Okay, and get in position so you can start buying some assets. You can do them today better than you could ever since the stock market started. You can buy. Um, stocks in really small pieces. Matter of fact, two years ago, almost since I before since I got here last, you can now buy partial shares of stock through Fidelity and through uh, what's the other company? Uh, I don't know if TD does it. Oh, it's the uh, Schwab. Schwab. That's what I'm trying to say. You can buy partial shares. So uh, a share of a share of Amazon stock right now is like three thousand dollars a share, and they don't even give you a dividend. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's expensive. But you can buy a $5 chunk of Amazon. You can buy it in, in teeny-weeny pieces now. And you can do it from home on your laptop or on your phone. I'm saying the ability to acquire assets is easier than it's ever been, ever, ever, ever. And that's just one type of asset. Everything is easier to do. So we have higher accountability now. I'm talking about as Christians with some shrewdness. You know, take everything the government gives you. But don't be dependent on it forever. If they throw you some money, use it. But, but don't let that be your only thing, because you're messing up. People that migrate to this country, I'm not talking about all a little migration drama at the border. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that, that come to this country that are not born in the United States are several times more likely to become wealthy than people born here. You know why? It's a simple mental thing. Where they came from, the government didn't help them do anything. So they had to do business and serve people to get wealth. And when they come to the United States, it's like somebody working out with all these sandbags on them. Somebody just takes them off. They're like, "Woo! I can invest. I can, I can create me an LLC down at that. I can go get the paperwork and create an LLC or business and for 50 bucks. I can buy stock or whatever I want to. I can take as many jobs as I want to. The libraries are opened up. I can go in and read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, and, and Think and Grow Rich, and, and Millionaire Next Door, and ain't nobody got a gun up to my head. Pardon my English. The, the opportunities are wild, and they're just like, they're not, they're not running to the government saying, please help me. I came to your country. I need some, I need some, well, I need some groceries. That's not how they think. I'm not saying that it's wrong if you do that. I'm saying people that didn't have it are not even aware of it. They come here and say, look at all those people that need somebody to sew their clothes for them. I'm going to learn how to do that. Look at all these people with apps. I'm going to learn how to develop software. By the way, Amazon will teach you about their cloud free because they're selling this stuff. Go to Amazon.com slash Amazon Web Services slash training and you can learn free how to manage Amazon cloud applications. And so that's what these people do. They come here and they grab opportunities because they're not used to someone taking care of them. Amen. They learn to take care of themselves, which is actually more of a biblical perspective. God said he wants you independent. 
then you can help other people. That's why you see one person's wealth grow over time and another person just, just doesn't do anything. So I want you all to start thinking like wealth builders. I want you to all start thinking about accumulating. Accumulating doesn't mean selfish. Savings, savings is not a sin in the Bible. Read Proverbs chapter 6. You were, actually, you were actually advised or commanded to look at the ant as an example. This ant is out all day working, bringing stuff back to his place so he won't starve when it gets cold. That's why he's back in your house when it's warm. He didn't go anywhere. He went in his house and ate all the stuff he built up over the, over the warm weather. And Solomon said, at least have the sense of, a, sense of an ant. These guys gang up, they work together, they save stuff for the future, and they got everything they need. And we won't even get along with one person yes. and wonder why we're broke. Yes. Can't get along with one person who might be the BOSS, the boss, or one person, some coworker. Do you know there are ways, there are skills, there are skills you can use to avoid and resolve conflicts? Yes. They're skills. You know, it's skills. Learn those skills. They contribute to your wealth, and they contribute to your ability to take care of your family. You know, my boss could get upset. My, I could get upset all day with my boss. But while I got folks at home to take care of, my drama stays in the parking lot. I might be like, he told me to do this. I don't want to do that. I ain't gonna, who do you think you're talking to? Hey, what's happening, man? Good morning. How are you doing today? <laughs> Go in there and serve like Joseph served Pharaoh, and God will move you up in position. And if you're not happy, you let it out somewhere else. That's attitude. That attitude will prosper you. You want to vent on somebody, you know, get you a dummy and build it up in your closet at home and go curse it out. I mean, whatever you want to do, beat it up. Don't curse it out. Beat it up. And when you go back to the office, you're like, what you need me to do? When you want it done. Is that all you need done? Okay, let me know. How can I help? And when you got to work extra stuff, do it with a smile. Yes. The Bible says work as unto whom? Yes. The Lord. Yes. You mean to tell me y'all treat your, y'all treat y'all bosses? That's how you treat the Lord, the way you treat your bosses? No, it ain't how you treat them. how you, you know. If you do that, you move all the obstacles out of the way for the grace and anointing and favor of God to flow. And every, and, 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 and month after month, year after year, things will increase. Okay, hallelujah. I'm going to take one more question. Gosh, the time flies. Yes. All in my conversation yesterday at my house with a, a couple of saints. God has confirmed it, and I am so thankful for you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, sis. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. All right. All right. Hope I address the questions and stuff because time just flies with y'all, man. Y'all just pulling stuff out. Oh. Yep, yep. Okay. Can you just quickly tell me what you think about trust funds? Trust funds. Yeah, no, those are, those are good things. Um, so I want you guys to continue to build your financial vocabulary, by the way. Your, your, your wealth is going to move in proportion to your financial vocabulary, your financial IQ. Some people can tell you all types of terms and stuff about payday loans and everything, <laughs> and that's the only vocabulary level you're walking in. She's asking me about a trust fund, okay? You know, Create one if you had a resource to create one. Okay, that could be part of your financial um, a foundation. You ever heard of a foundation before? Okay, foundation is just a chunk of money that you invest and you pull pieces out of it to do something cool like create a scholarship for someone or build a wing on the library or something. 
okay? You want to build your financial vocabulary. You need to know what these things are, and then God can start dealing with you about how to use them, okay? So you want to build your knowledge about something. Watch financial programs. Read about what's going on with money. Okay, expand your vocabulary financially. Yeah, a trust fund is just a, it's just a you know, it's, it's an instrument you put in place so that you can provide for someone else, okay? Um, like I said, I could get into a lot of that. Uh, yes? Bitcoins. I'm surprised y'all waited to talk about that. <laughs> the question was, what about Bitcoins? In real simple, in real simple terms, it's a speculative investment. Speculative means it's not established. And so investors and wealth builders put very small amounts of money into speculative investments. It's that simple. It hasn't been around enough for us to know what it's going to do. It doesn't mean you don't do anything with it. It just means you don't like take a mortgage on your uh, uh, equity line on your house and drop it into Bitcoin. That's like insane, right? You don't, you don't do stuff like that. You don't put money into stuff you don't understand. Even if somebody you know has made, a lot, made them a lot of money, you need to understand it. You need to know how it works so you can operate through it. Bitcoin is just an electronic method of money. Somebody basically said this computer algorithm chip is some money. That's all that they did. They just made it up out of thin air. It doesn't mean it's not worth anything. It's got up to about 60 grand and it dropped down to about 30 grand in the last week or so. And now some people are coming out with some other versions of it. By the way, if the United States economy, if we get our heads together up there, the leaders, and stop printing money like it comes off of a laser printer in your garage, and, they, and, and, we, and I'm believing God for this. I really am. I mean, really am. I believe in God that we'll balance our budget and we'll top off this debt. Because when I came out of high school, you know what the national debt was? Well, put like that. Do you know what the national debt is now? It's like $30 trillion. Yes. $30 trillion. Yes. I promise you, yes. you don't know what a trillion dollars is. <laughs> now, I don't, mean, I don't mean you don't have it. Now, I mean, I don't, you don't know what it is. You don't know what a trillion dollars is. We have $30 trillion in debt. When I came out of high school, the national debt was zero. That's how many people we messed up since then. It was nothing. And then we've gone in that direction. But if we stop and fix that, all these other forms of money are going to start becoming less important. Yes. That's why you want to be careful what you're doing. I didn't say don't get any Bitcoin. I'm just saying if I could have all the gold in the world or all the Bitcoin in the world or all the real estate in the world, I would take all the real estate in the world because people got to live on that stuff. And you got to use it to grow some food. You got to come to me to grow some tomatoes. So. There's a variety of forms of wealth, right? Something new comes out, you know, get a piece of it. See what happens. Just don't get a lot of it. It should be like 2% of all the stuff you got to play with. That's what I mean. That's how you handle stuff like that. That makes sense? Okay. Don't be chicken on anything, but don't be, you know, crazy. You know, because that's gambling. That's not wealth building. I think we got the questions out. Hallelujah. Okay, I want to make sure that she had an understanding about trust funds. Oh, okay. No, this is what it's about. No, 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 no. Okay. It goes back to number one or two. Pay attention to what you have. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. If you have a trust fund or available to you, you need to meet with somebody one-on-one -on -one so you can get some education on what that is and what that means and how to use it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a great instrument for protecting assets and distributing stuff to your kids. It's a great instrument for protecting assets and di distributing stuff to your kids and, and, and others. Um, 
but it, it, I'm just saying you need you know more than I can tell you in a, in a couple minutes up here about it. Uh, yeah, so it's a good, it's an important instrument to have. When you have enough to put in it, you know. <laughs> Amen. If you got two dollars, you don't need a trust fund. I ain't saying that. Oh. Quick question. Mm -hmm. um, do you have like a card or anything? Oh. Are you are you up for hire? Like, I have cards. <laughs> okay. okay. I have cards. That's a good. Thank you. Actually, no. I'm only available to pass oh. Dolores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess cards. <laughs> You, you've been blessed today to get some free information. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Good questions. Good questions. Praise the Lord. You know, you were talking about when Pharaoh, Joseph helped Pharaoh with the vision that the Lord had given him. But the Lord gave Joseph a plan for saving. Ooh, hallelujah. That's right. When he told him to stir up stuff to provide for the years that were going to come that they would need. So that lets us know saving is so vitally important. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's give God a hand praise for coming. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I know this is an unusual way of having service, but it really isn't because the Bible is instructions on how to live. It's, it's not an emotional tool to come on a certain day and just say, I've been with the Lord. God wants us to have some knowledge and some wisdom yeah. how to live life. Yeah. And you live it biblically. And everything we need to know in order to live a successful life is in the Bible. Yeah. So this is perfect. This is where you need to come and get the information you need to have in order to live your life where it's going to be pleasing unto the Lord, which is automatically going to be victorious when you follow his plan and follow his way. So I pray that you really uh, receive some information and you enjoy this time of service. And it will be on the podcast because there's a lot of information that you need to hear over and over again in order to get the understanding. So it will be on podcast if, in case you have some more questions or concern or if you want to personally talk to uh, Carlton and, and employ him. <laughs> Thank you, Carlton, so much. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to have our benediction. I know you had a long day. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Amen.